Welcome to the Lucha Lounge Podcast. I am your host, Elijah Kang, a sound designer by day, but by night, I am a pro wrestling connoisseur, the proud owner of two cats, and the host of this, the Lucha Lounge Podcast. This podcast is all about giving uncommon people a platform to share their ideas and stories with all of you. So thanks for listening. Here we go. The 16th guest on the Lucha Lounge podcast is an event writer and U.S. Dressage Federation bronze medalist. We talk about her career as a professional writer, her horse Charlie, and what it's like to compete on an international level. As someone that had virtually no prior experience or knowledge about event writing and horses in general, this was an incredibly illuminating conversation with a very ambitious and driven young woman. So without any further delay, please welcome my guest, Molly Sherman. Boom. And we're live with Molly Sherman. Welcome to the Lucha Lounge podcast. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, man. You were uh, one of the early followers and supporters of this podcast on Instagram. So I really appreciate um, all of that. And I appreciate that you're here, man. This is going to be a great conversation, I think. Yeah, thank you. Um, so let's right off the cut. You are a event writer, they call it, right? Yes, yes. That's the right terminology. What is for everybody that doesn't know because this is like a very special thing and this is and to kind of backtrack this is kind of the reason why i like to have people like you on the show people who have a very specific skill set and a very focused passion and talent for something and event writing is that thing for you so why don't you tell everybody and illuminate myself included what is event writing yeah, so eventing, we like to think of it as an equestrian triathlon. So you have three different phases. So as we have it in modern eventing, the first phase is dressage. And we like to talk about that like horse dancing. But really, you memorize a test and you perform it in front of a judge and they'll score you on each movement in the test out of 10 points. And then they total up those scores and divide it by the average and in eventing, you take the penalty score and move on to your next phase in competition. So after that, you go to cross country. Mm-hmm. And that's in a big field, lots of jumps, lots of different obstacles. Like water um, and stuff, like right? Like water, yeah. like ditches, like down banks, and they're solid fences. So they don't so they don't move. So if you hit them, it's not not the greatest thing. And right, you're right. going towards an optimum time. So you have your optimum time that you want to get close to. And if you go over, you get time faults. And at the lower levels, there's a speed fault time. So you're trying to get in this window of time. Whoa. So if you go too fast, it's bad. Right. Because they're just encouraging you to be safe. So they don't want, Mm. you know, a a novice, younger level rider speeding around the course so they make optimum. Uh, They want you to be safe. And when you're going the right speed, that's going to be safest. Hmm. And then after that competition, I'm talking about it in a three-day format. There's lots of different formats. It right, gets... They have like one day, right? One right, day event right. Day. So this one, I ended up explaining the three-day version of it, which sure, they sure. do at the international level. Um, the last phase is stadium jumping. So it's more jumping. There's an optimum, but you're not really conscious of it. You just don't want to go too slow in your round. Um, you're going over jumps that are essentially sticks. And so you can knock them down. And when you knock them down, it's four faults. So you're just trying to keep all the sticks up and jump a nice clean round. And then if you have any faults in either of the two jumping phases, they add it onto that original penalty score that you got in the first phase. Wow. So that's super complicated. (laughs) But basically, Mm -hmm. basically, this is like, like you were saying, horse triathlon. But it's not just about speed, like the Kentucky Derby, where it's just like, you know, you're racing. 
you have to get your horse to do all these tests and mm-hmm. then also perform across three different events, three very specific skill sets. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that about dressage, that it is like a predetermined thing. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like figure skating where you could just do whatever you want, kind of. But that's not true. Yeah, there there is a version of that in straight dressage, which is only that first phase. And it's a musical freestyle mm. where you choreograph your own tests based on a required set of movements. And you do it to music. And right, that's really right. fun. That's your freestyle. But in eventing, you have your test. It's a national test when you're doing your national level, international test for everyone for the international levels. And that's the only phase that a judge has a direct influence on your score. The other one, there's judges to monitor it, but this one, it can be subjective to the judge or judges, depending on what show you're doing. So it's kind of a tough starting score to start because if the judge doesn't like a certain way your horse carries itself, you're going to get points off for that. And that's that's one of my gripes about figure skating and anything where there's a judge mm-hmm. because it's like there's no tangible like marker for it. Like, for instance, in basketball, right? Whoever scores the most points wins. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are there are referees that, you know, make a judgment call here and there. But it's rare that that judge or referee, you know, determines the end right. result of the thing. But for this, you know, judging, I guess it could be a little bit more skewed one way or the other. Especially like you were saying, if the judge is like, I don't like the way that horse looks or like the way that right. it's carrying itself. Dude, that's such a... That's such a bummer. Yeah, and it can be a little controversial sometimes. And like um, the judges always have a scribe and the scribe's usually a volunteer. So my mom's even been in the box where she's been um, working for a judge and they'll score um, a rider. And then my mom's mentioned, oh, that's our coach. He's an Olympian. We love him. And she's like, oh, the judge. Uh I didn't know it was so-and-so changed the score. What? Right. So that's that's a very extreme example of it. Right, right. But it's little stuff like that. Like, oh, oh, I know this rider. I Damn. love this rider. Let me. So that can be a little, little. It can go beyond just a performance. Like, sure. Like I've ridden horses that are downhill and the judge wants uphill. So you get marked off for that. Those ones make a little bit more sense. Well, what does that mean? Downhill, uphill? Downhill, just, just the way they're moving. If they're going, you know, you want somebody that the horse, somebody mm-hmm. that carries their self a certain way. So the if posture? they're pretty much, I mean, you can change the horse's posture. You can ask them to do something differently. If you want their shoulders up, huh. you ask them to be their shoulders up, but sometimes it's just their bones and they can't get their, right, they can't right, get their right. shoulders the way the judge wants them. So that huh. something like that makes a little bit more sense, but there's ways to fake it in the ring mm-hmm. and there's ways to do it correctly. And the judge can't always see that on the, you know, time of the day when you show the horse, because they right. can only judge what's right in front of them. Exactly. So it's it's a tough sport in that way, because I guess in a lot of sports, it's that way. It's that those five minutes in the ring, and maybe you had a different horse outside the ring. Maybe you didn't have nerves outside the ring. And then when you're in there, it doesn't matter. So, I mean, that's tough for a lot of sports, but that one especially, because if your horse spooks at a box or something, the 40 minutes you spent preparing out there. It's out the window. It's out the window. <laughs> and I guess that's that's crazy. One of the things that's so interesting to me about horses and people who ride horses professionally like you is that you are really at the mercy of the of the horse for a large part, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you can totally correct me and tell me, dude, you're totally wrong. Anytime during this, if I'm assuming something, just tell me that I'm wrong. I have no problem with that. I'm I know I'm out of my league right here. <laughs> But um, 
especially with with horses you know people say they're they're so skittish and they're so you know like you know they're jumpy and stuff like that mm -hmm. so like as a professional athlete that's competing with a horse you know you're really at the mercy of how the horse is feeling at at any given time right yeah you can be a, a lot of it comes from the training you're doing at home so you can take a skittish horse and and give them more confidence and you know sometimes you have a horse that's always just going to be a little wonky and that's just them and that's their personality and you work with that just like if you had a teammate who gets nerves you know you find a way to balance that but you know horses change a lot based on how you train them I we had a horse and when we first got him you couldn't even take off your glove next to him you couldn't touch him you couldn't do anything Whoa. and we took him to a friend of ours who says natural horsemanship which natural horsemanship if you're if I'm talking to an audience that knows a lot about horses can be controversial because there's some people who take natural horsemanship to the commercial side hmm. and don't do it the way it was intended. But when I say natural horsemanship, I'm talking cowboys, I'm talking, you know, people who really know their horses. And so we took um, this horse to a friend and he worked with him. And in a little bit of a way, it's a conversation on the ground. So you're talking to them, you're showing them you're the alpha horse, they can trust you. Whoa. Whatever's so scary over there is not as, as comforting as what I can offer you. So it's not... Like a horse whisperer? A little bit like a horse whisperer because you're showing them that you're you're a safe person. They're mm. going to be able to trust you. And it's not so much horse and person in that moment as you're trying to replicate the feeling of a herd mm. in the wild and you're the alpha horse and they, they can trust you. So after sessions with um, this this cowboy... Um, you could grab the horse's ears. You could, for, at the end of the first session, the cowboy stood on the horse's butt and jumped into the saddle. And this was a horse you couldn't even tap on the butt. Wow. So that's just an example of, you know, training can change a horse. This horse had probably been through abuse and didn't trust us. And we were worried we were never going to be able to ride this horse. And then he went on to be just the most reliable children's horse hmm. ever. That's, that's a crazy story. Yeah. But I guess it is like, you know, that happens with like cats and dogs mm -hmm. too. You get like a feral cat and then slowly but surely you can make them, I guess, a respectable member of society exactly. or something like no, that. No, that's yeah, exactly yeah, right. Sure. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I was watching some dressage stuff, you know, leading up to the podcast, mm -hmm. you know, for research. And I was watching some of the stuff in England and the guy is wearing like this weird like coat with all the buttons and he has a, a top hat. Mm -hmm. Is that America too or is that only or is that only in Europe? Um, I think in America actually we got rid of using top hats. It might have it might have come back just for safety reasons. Wait, what do you mean? Uh just because like the top hat just sits on their head. Uh, the helmets we have um for equestrian sports, so they have so much more safety. They yeah, have like yeah. a chin strap and everything. Right, right, right. So I think they're not allowed in competition anymore for that reason. Oh, I see. I'm not exactly sure if that went back and forth because there's just a lot of tradition. When you see that outfit, it's, yeah, a, it's yeah. a lot of tradition. And the sport of eventing grew from military training, actually, training the cavalry horses. Yeah, for battle, right? Right, yeah. right. So, you know, we have these fancy coats and stuff. A lot of it's just tradition. Yeah, because it looks like uh, like old-fashioned like soldiers. Stuff. Yeah. And like, for example, the stock tie they wear, the, mm. the little poofy thing they yeah, have around yeah, their yeah. neck you might have seen that was um for if you went into battle or even if just goes back to hunting you mm. know fox hunting with the horses and the hounds right. 
um, if somebody got hurt and they're bleeding, you can take it off and use it as a tourniquet or a oh, sling. Oh, I see. And we still, you know, wear that, and now it's more of a fashion. But, right. you know, everything at some point had a, a really useful purpose. Whoa. I'm, like, learning so much right now. This is great. <laughs> so, like, cross-country and you said stadium jumping, but they also call it show jumping, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, like, those two things, I can kind of understand mm -hmm. how you could get a horse to do it. You know, like horses run and jump over stuff in the wild. And, you know, I could kind of see how you could convince a horse to jump mm -hmm. over something, right? You know, it's like a natural thing for them. But with dressage, nothing about that seems natural to a horse. Like the mm -hmm. way that they, uh, you know, they like prance their feet. And then it, there's like a whole bunch of different odd movements that they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. You know what? You should just look up on YouTube what dressage <laughs> is. And then you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. They're like prancing in a very like halting way mm -hmm. and it looks really unnatural at least to me yeah well actually if you if you go i found when i found this out i thought it was one of the coolest things you could learn and use in your training when you're training horses but those movements are doing that look so weird that's playing and if you look at them in the wild that's how they play Whoa. so they'll do that prancing when they're playing with someone they'll they'll run and they'll stop and and that's how they play so to think of it that way when you're training it's it's more hey look how cool what we're going to be doing is isn't this fun let me show you this wow. and so it's like a whole new concept to them and it's it's again trying to create that herd mentality you know I'm in charge, but let me show you how fun this can be. Whoa. Okay. So you refer to your horses as people, right? A little bit. Do they? Try not to sound crazy. No, 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 but... no, no. No, that's because <laughs> my cats are my babies. Too, so, you know. um, but so I was going to ask you about this because I've been reading a little bit about horses and um, I wrote a note down. I read an interview with some uh, event writer. I forget her name, but she was saying that this particular horse, she this is, this is almost a direct quote. She said, this horse shows a sense of work ethic and drive and ambition. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how can a horse be ambitious? Like, <laughs> I know for a fact that my cats are not ambitious. You know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> these guys don't have work ethic. You know what I mean? Um, and it's not like these horses are like, you know, pulling something like a wagon or mm -hmm. like they're not working, you know, they're they're like athletes, they're mm -hmm. like training. So like when when I heard this lady say that this horse has work ethic, is that is that something that you see in a horse? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're all sort of their own little personalities. In a way, they are people like that. And it varies from horse to horse, just as it does for people. You know, I have some horses that have hardly any personality, but then you have a horse like my horse who sticks his tongue out when he sees you and it's just a goofball. And, you know, I've had a, a friend say to me that when I'm with a horse, it seems like I'm seeing something that they can't see yet. And a little bit that's true because, you know, the more time you spend around them, you can see their expressions, you can see, you know, how they react to certain things. And as far as work ethic goes, you can you see that when you get on the horse every day and they want to be there and they're focused and they have that sort of workman attitude and it's just how distracted are they being are they are they getting angry when i show them something new or do they love it Whoa. and so that's how you can see that and every horse will be different you know they'll they're going to love something they're going to hate going one direction and you can tell they'll tell you because 
they have nothing to hide. They're not like a person trying to. Yeah, they don't have like an yeah. ego or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, some of them do. <laughs> some <laughs> of them crazy. definitely do. So what is what like what, what do you mean by that? I mean, there's you have your pre-Madonna horses who just who just know where they've been and what they've seen. They know they want their treats. They know <laughs> they want their hay here. If they don't get fed first, they're going to be angry about what? it. So. No, I, I think some of them definitely know. And the more they do, they they like to show off a little bit. And it might just be us people being like, oh, you're amazing. And they're like, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you're spoiling them. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, I, I know what you're doing. I know what I did. That's so. <laughs> crazy, man. Well, because like I have such a limited experience. Like I can count the times on one hand, the times that I've ridden a horse. In September, I went on a trail ride. And this horse, his name was Andrew, um, and it was just in Rock Creek Park. Mm-hmm. You know, these they have like a little equestrian center there, and then they do trail rides. And um, I got this horse named Andrew. And first of all, I'm really afraid of horses. They're huge, and they have really big teeth and stuff like that. So <laughs> I'm always afraid of anything that big. Like we were talking about before, they're like dinosaurs. You know, they look like it too, with yeah. the long neck and the huge mouth. And, you know, you always hear about... The saying about how horses are so jumpy and they're so flighty and stuff and you don't want to get kicked if you walk around it in a certain way. Mm -hmm. These are like the things that we see on TV and stuff, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So generally speaking, I'm really afraid of horses, but we went trail riding and this horse, man, did not want to do anything. Like (laughs) we're going up a trail and we're going really slow, like very slow. And the people there were like trying to teach us really fast how to ride a horse Mm -hmm. and like... These guys don't feel you on your back. You got to kick them and whatever, all this thing. And then my horse just, oh, we're going uphill. Stop, middle of the hill. <laughs> and I couldn't get it to go anywhere. They're like, dude, you got to sing to the horse. Sing. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to sing to a horse. And it's like, totally give up, <laughs> totally gave up on, on me. But um, if the horse wanted to go completely in a different direction, like I wouldn't know how to do anything. Like they tell you, oh, you got to like turn it a certain way and stuff like that. But in the end, if this horse wanted to run away, I would just be a passenger. I couldn't be able to stop it. You know what I mean? So like when I see videos of you eventing and doing like cross country, like running real fast, jumping over, you know, a wall and into the water and jumping out of the water and all these crazy things. And it's like, okay, so there's a difference here, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's really amazing to see someone that has not only the ability and the like the know-how of knowing what to do when they're on a horse but like having the passion and the love of the sport to take it as far as you've taken and it's really it's really a a great thing to be able to talk to you about it thank you it's awesome man um so let's let's go back to the beginning how did you get into event writing um, well, my mom actually, we live on a small five acre farm uh, by Sugarloaf, and we just have two horses there. But she has uh, been riding the whole time she's lived there, which has been like 20, 21 years now. I'm 18. And um, she just sat me on a horse when I don't know, I was how old. <laughs> she just sat oh. me on a horse, and then um, she got me a, a pony, this beautiful little paint pony who's actually still alive. Wow. And only lives a few miles from our house. I think she's 30-something something now. Whoa, wait. Mm-hmm. Horses can live that long? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, and she's still teaching lessons. It keeps her young. She loves Whoa. it. Little little work. But um, she just, my mom got me 
really nice ponies when I was learning how to ride and not really expensive ponies, but mm. just ponies with a good heart. And as hard as that is to believe they have, you know, good hearts. They want to do good. Uh, I started competing, I think, when I was four or so, just in like little lead line classes. Four. So she would just like lead me around the ring on my little pony. Oh, okay. And people would ask her, you know, does, does she like this? Does she want to be here? Because I had straight straight face i was like this is business and my mom's like yeah i mean she she keeps wanting to do it i just took it very seriously right, right. i was like competition mode we gotta go <laughs> and you know there's really there's a really funny picture of me on my tiny little pony with all these big horses around me and i'm just looking up and got a little ribbon oh, and, nice. and we get we do colors for um our placements so mm -hmm. blue is first place but i think it's fifth place is pink uh -huh. i got blue which is first you think i'd be so happy but i was crying because i wanted the pink one <laughs> so <laughs> i've been doing it from a young age and i i um did pony club when i was about eight and i did that for a few years and i didn't get into eventing until i was 12 um, before then my mom had i had just been doing dressage training which puts a really good base on you and me and my mom were talking about just the other day. She put a lot of work into me, I think, you know, right. a lot of training how to how to just get my base right. And so by the time I was 12 and went into eventing, you know, I could start to be competitive because I had the pony to help me with the jumping, but I, I knew how to do some of the dressage. Oh, so okay. I could go in and, and I had that advantage because I'd been doing it for, you know, four years, just right, straight right. dressage, like learning my basics. And so that's how I got my start into eventing. And is there is there like I'm I'm assuming your mom is your coach? So my mom has has always been my coach. She'll always be my coach. But I've had lots of coaches along the way. You know, me and my mom ride at the same barn, so she's always there to help me. And she actually helps keep my horse in shape when I can't come home to ride on a day when I'm mm. at school. So she's like an integral part of all the training right, that right. I get to do. But we have one friend in Hawaii who's going to be my forever coach as well. She's helped us find all these ponies along the way. So coach in Hawaii is a little unorthodox, yeah. but you know, she helps us with our schedules. She helps us pick which coaches to go to, what shows we're going to do that year. You know, if something goes wrong in the training, how we're going to break it down and fix it. Hmm. And then locally, I've just enjoyed, you know, some of the best clinicians in the world because we're right in the heart of riding right here. In Maryland? Mm-hmm. Oh, Maryland, Virginia. We're called Area Two. It's like Maryland, Virginia, Pennsylvania. This is the place to be for eventing. They're wow. all they're all south right now in like the Carolinas and Florida. Mm -hmm. It's a little lonely up here if you can't afford to go down <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. south during the winter. But they're warm. That's so crazy, man. So you really have grown up with it. Mm hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So I grew up in a I grew up in Los Angeles in the city. I mean, it was a big thing if you got a puppy. Mm -hmm. So to hear someone get a pony, that's like a whole nother world. I mean, like you need a, a, a freaking setup for a horse. I mean, yeah. you need land and you need like a barn and yeah. all this stuff. So it's crazy that you grew up with something like that. Yeah, I was, I'm really, really lucky. And I had my best friend right across the street. I was just so lucky to be able to live in a neighborhood and then have a horse and my we have not much to work with but we have the best setup you could ask for on five Whoa. acres you know we have just enough to get it done and we're just like a little backyard barn so you know the two horses we have right now are both international competitors so Whoa. you know it's cool be, to be able to say we just have a small ring small barn our two little horses and then we can go out and be competitive 
So that, you know, that's something we wear with a badge of honor that you still can do it. Even if you don't have the coach to help you every day, you know, all the trainers, mm-hmm. you know, the fanciest horses, you can, if you work at it and you know, you have, I have an amazing support system, then you can just keep going. That's crazy to hear. It's really interesting because all the information you're telling me, it's like changing what I, in real time, what I thought horse riding was. Mm-hmm. It's It's crazy because like, you think like, oh, like you need to be like, ultra rich to have a horse and stuff like that it's yeah well they do say if you want to be a millionaire riding horses you have to start out as a billionaire so oh (laughs) (laughs) a lot of money goes into well like that's the thing right horses are huge they eat so much and there's like so much stuff and that's like one of the things like i wanted to ask you about is like with horses there's definitely different horses that are better at different things right Mm -hmm. Like you see like uh, the Budweiser commercial and you see those mm-hmm. big Clydesdales. They're like pulling like a stagecoach or whatever. And then you see like at the rodeo, there's different kinds of horses. And then those look completely different from like right. dressage and eventing horses. So right. like is there when you when you go to buy a horse, not not that I'm going to go buy one, but like, <laughs> you know, when you go to get a horse, like what are the things that you look for? And like what makes one horse better than the other horse for what you do? Um, so in the sport of eventing, it's, we just have kind of a mod podge of different breeds and what they look like. And it makes eventing unique in that way. Because like, for example, to be a dressage horse, you know, they have, they have a big hind end. They have like a very uphill shoulder. They're just very elegant. So you, you know, you have them there, they're built uphill. They can, they can do their job. They, you know, they're just very straightforward, but they're not going to be as daring as an eventer. They're going to be a little bit, they can be a little bit more skittish. They can afford it, you know. And then, you know, if you, when you have your rodeo horse, they're, they're quick. They listen. The, you know, the cowboys just have them trained so well. And those are usually quarter horses. For eventing, there's so many different horses to look at. You know, more and more we're seeing the thoroughbred come into the sport, which is bred to race. So they're, right. so they're bred to pull. So the hardest phase for them is going to be dressage because so they're pulling is like fast. going fast straight right. line speed kind of right they're yeah. pulling themselves on their front end oh. so they they can fly but then for dressage you have to take them and ask them to sit and use use their hind end so that they can push for the jumping that's important too you have to ask them to go fast but then i need you here i need you to be right in front of me for the jump so there's a lot of good qualities to that horse and then you have to train in some other qualities and because of that, I don't really think there's an ideal event horse. You know, the thoroughbreds have that grit, which is why we're liking them so much more. But then you have something that's crossed with the warm blood. They can do the dressage better. They're going to be able to sit a little bit more. But you're going to have to ask them to go a little faster on cross country. Oh, wow. So it just depends on the horse and the rider and, and what you're going to be asking them to do. Like you get to the lower levels, you can have a Budweiser horse <laughs> go and run around little jumps right, right, and be, you know, just this cool spectacle to look at in the dressage ring. I think it really comes down to what does the horse want to do? Do they want it? Because we have this one pony that, you know, everyone in eventing loves, Teddy O'Connor. He's a pony, so he's short. And he went to Rolex Kentucky, which you saw, that's like the biggest event you can do in the United States. And he was little, the littlest one. It just comes down to do they want it? It's a horse, but they want it sometimes. And that's going back to like the personality of the horse. Mm-hmm. Like after you win an event and you're winning, you're winning a bunch, right? After you win something, do you feel like the horse knows that he won? 
Sometimes. Sometimes I think they're just like, where's the food? Where's the food? Because you got to reward them right after. Right. But like, you know, when I went to the American Eventing Championships and I was on my pony and Mm -hmm. he was second, but you could tell he wanted first. And we went around that victory lap and you could feel, you know, just puffed up chest. You know, he was like, I want to be the one leading the victory lap. So I think in that way, I think he, that particular horse was very smart. He knew. He mm. uh, he knew that he won. You know, it it just depends. Sometimes sometimes they feel like all the eyes are on them. They feel very special. Sometimes they just want to carry it. And <laughs> and I don't think there's a big emotional difference between those emotions, whether they get a carrot or a blue ribbon. Right, right. So you know, who's to say if they really know? But that's true, man. As long as they get it, right? That's as long the as they get the carrot at the end of the day. <laughs> um. So. Like you mentioned before, you're very young. You're 18. Mm-hmm. I think you might be the youngest guest that we've had. You know, you're competing at an international level, but you're also going to school. You just recently graduated and you're going to McDaniel. Congratulations on Thank that. You. <laughs> um, but it was not too long ago that you were a high school student mm-hmm. and competing on an international level. Mm-hmm. It's hard enough being a student athlete at the school, you know? What was it like competing internationally, like at the top of the world, and then going back to doing geometry and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really good question because, you know, it's always sort of, I've always sort of been on that road, you know, through middle school and everything, getting to travel and stuff. It's it's a little disheartening to almost be a, so apart from your school in that way because, you know, I look back and I never got to hang out after school and go play lacrosse and, you know, do some of the sports I was interested in. And... You know, as we talked about, there's there's a horse girl stigma, you know, crazy <laughs> horse girl. So that was always hard to learn that. Mm. And I always had to not talk about it in a way because I would be shut down. So uh, because I was just I was just a crazy horse girl, you know, I just had to kind of learn to be quiet. And it was pretty isolating because, you know, not being able to talk about something you're passionate about in middle school, people would just say, you know, can you stop talking? Like, I don't want to hear about your horse. So I was like, you know, and I learned to be almost ashamed for my sport. And I'll still apologize when people ask, you know, do you play a sport? And I'll be like, yeah, but it's just horses. And it's tough to be ashamed of something if you work so hard at it, you know, to apologize for something you're passionate about, like over and over again, It, it takes a toll. So I'm just now learning that, hey, you can be proud of that. You know, this is cool. You know, even if I didn't get to do all the social things, even if I was away, unable to go to homecoming because I had a horse show the next day or something like that, Mm. I still wouldn't trade it for anything. Anytime, you know, my friends now learn a life lesson or, you know, hear something like, oh, isn't this just amazing? I can find a parallel in horses that has taught me the same thing, whether it's like hard work or heartbreak. There's some... There's some way the horses have taught me that. Right, right. So I think it's it's definitely shaped me my whole life. So, yeah, man, the things you do define you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's definitely. I mean, just the way that you're talking about it, I can tell that you're like super passionate about it. It is crazy though, because like what you were doing was on such a higher level than you know playing the rival school mm-hmm. on homecoming night. You know what I mean? So, what is it like competing on an international level? It's really exciting. You know, going from a national competition, which is just as exciting, and then you go to an international one, it's a different feel. You know, you can feel it. You're competing with 
Olympians. You're competing with different people. You're competing with people who have worked so hard just to be at that show. Mm -hmm. And you can feel it in the barns. You can feel it when you're on your course. It's just, it's just amazing. It's, it's an honor to be there. And you just feel like you're learning. Hmm. You know, you look over there and you see an Olympian on their, on their third or fourth horse. And you're just like, wow. So it's just, you know, you take all that and you get you get a high from it after a show, after competing. You know, you feel it. You did that. It's just amazing. And it is interesting to, you know, finish up Sunday night and you feel like you're the top of the world and then you go to school. But, you know, in a way, you go to school and you do your work just like you did on the weekend. Mm. So it's, you know, it's about having a job and you had a job that weekend. You have a job now. And it's just as important. Man, super disciplined at such a young age, man. <laughs> I wish you. I had that because in high school, I wasn't I wasn't that disciplined. For sure. <laughs> um, going back to like horses and like different breeds. Right. Mm-hmm. I know the term thoroughbred, you know, like mm-hmm. racehorse. Right. Those guys have been bred to do one thing mm-hmm. in particular. Right. Is it better or worse? Like, is there, like, you look at dogs that have been bred in that way? Mm-hmm. Like, for example, Dalmatians, right? Dalmatians are awesome because they look a certain way because they've been bred, you know, it's almost like eugenics, right? right. They're, they they constantly breed with other Dalmatians. And that's why Dalmatians have a lot of, like, health issues down the right. line. Is that a thing with horses, too? Um, it, it can be. You can see that in... You know, you look at a you look at a horse and they have these tiny little spindly legs that are just like our long fingers, you know, no muscle, no fat to protect them. And right. you're like, how how the hell have you not been taken out by evolution? Right, right. <laughs> you exactly, know, they're right? so delicate. So th- there's not a ton, but you can see it. You can see it if they have a longer back, which is more fragile, if their um, joints are too long in their legs and that causes too much strain. You know, for the most part, I think we have healthy breeds but i don't know there's there's some there's some breeds that are starting to look a little bit more ridiculous like the ones that have been bred for shows right right ridiculous for my sport not for their sport like in terms of how useful they can be like the quarter horse there's a lot of shows for them so some of them just have you know just like big fat necks big fat shoulders big fat butts and i'm like how like that's so much in the way for being athletic Yeah. yeah and they're just like built up to look good and that might not necessarily be useful so there's actually so there's like horse shows for looks too Mm -hmm. like a like the the dog show right whoa i didn't know that but not all all those breeds or anything i don't i don't know enough about it it's sort of separate from eventing they get um certifications for certain breeds Uh and most of that is very standard like i wouldn't say you know, having defects along breed lines is a big problem right uh-huh. now. It, it could be down the line. I don't know enough about like breeding in itself, but there are shows to get certifications for the breeds. Like the Holsteiner is a really special breed and you get certified if your horse is that and there's shows for them and that sort of thing. Yeah. It's a whole world I have yet to branch into, but it's, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. You know, there's a lot with bloodlines and some people know all about it. I mean, yeah, because they, they talk about like sired by this, this yeah. horse who was sire, but yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's like a crazy thing. And you always hear about some like Arabian, like oil chic buying like, like a $10 million horse. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And especially people who are really into horse racing, like they might not have horses themselves or have anything to do with horses, but they know all about. Yeah. Cause they're gambling. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. <laughs> it's crazy. It is. Um, so eventing, you know, there's like one day and three day and you, you mentioned there's like a bunch of different mm-hmm. different ones, right? But I read, and this could be wrong, obviously, 
Um, I read that it's always one horse, one rider combination. Mm-hmm. So you show up with one horse, you can't switch horses out. Mm-mm. So it's not like you have, it's not like car racing where sometimes they have an extra car. Right, right. So how do you know that this horse is going to be the one to compete successfully in all three events? Right. I mean, that's what's so unique about this sport. In one day, this horse has to be good at three different things. Yeah. So... You know, in a in a horse, it's do they like doing this and then do they like doing this the next day sort of thing. And it's hard to tell. I mean, there's a lot of event horses that go in and they don't do as well. You know, it's just it just depends. Do one, do they have the work ethic to go through all all of those phases? And can you get them fit enough to do that? Uh, you know, one day of the week. There's a lot that goes into it and there's no formula for if a horse is going to be able to make it or not. And, you know, if you have a horse at a lower level, you don't know if they can make it to an upper level all the time. You just have to go along and see what they tell you and not push the horse past their point of comfort because it always comes down to what they want to do first. And so, you know, I've, I've gone from a horse that was great for that level, but they weren't going to be able to do the next level that I wanted to do. So then you pass them on to a happier job. And it doesn't even, like, they could win. They could win all day long at that level. But Mm -hmm. you don't want to push them to the next level because they might lose confidence. They could get hurt. So you let them, they love their job. So that's their job. You know, you never want to take a horse and make them unhappy. Because if they love it, they love it. They can be happy and do that. It's all about putting them first in, in your training and, you know, your trajectory to move up. So when you're talking about from one level to the next, mm-hmm. how do the events differ from one level? Is it just faster times or like more jumps or like how does that differ from one to another? Um, a little bit of all of that. So you'll have a, a harder dressage test. Um, none of them really look the same. They're always adding something in. Um, sometimes they're longer too, but that's just because you have more to do. And then cross country is... Um, faster usually for the levels you know at some point you can't make the speed any faster um different obstacles harder questions more complex questions how many elements certain oh, question what's a question oh um just like the jump the jump itself or the um combination of jumps uh-huh. so for example if you're coming up to a water complex and it's a jump over something and then dropping into the water that question would be does your horse trust you enough to go over something that they don't see an end to? Will they jump off a ledge for you? Do they trust you enough to do that? Are they confident enough to do that? A lot of it comes down to a question of trust at the end of the day. But sometimes it's, do they know how to handle this? If it's an illusion, do they know where they're going? So there's, you know, lots of different things that they can ask you as we put it. We're saying, like, what does the course ask you? How do you get, how do you train a horse to do that? Like the mechanics of it. Like, cause mm-hmm. do you like show the horse? Look at the, there's water, there's a jump here, but there's water down mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Like, so how do you, how do you train a horse to do that? In the beginning, I would say you do just that, you know, here's a jump, here's the water. Water's not going to hurt you. Let's go hang out in the water. Isn't this fun? Um, jumping, you know, here's a log, this just jump. And the natural things are a little bit easier, but when you're on a course, the horse hasn't seen the course. So oh, you don't get to practice on mm-mm. that setup? No, you walk your course and you're mathematical about it and you plan where you're going to jump and where you're going to turn and, you know, where you're going to um, hit your minute markers along the course so you're on your optimum. But they've never seen the course, the horse. Whoa. So you have to, obviously, for each jump, you have a plan A, B, C, D, 
all the way through the alphabet for what that horse is going to think of it. So you plan how you're going to present the jump to the horse. You know, you plan what you're going to do. But at the end of the day, if you're running up to the fence and your horse starts backing off of it and they're like, what's that? You know, what Mm -hmm. is that? And they're asking you, then you're going to have to tell them. So wait, like vocally, you're like talking, talking, you'd be like, come on, go. Or, you know, just putting your leg on, you know, riding it forward and getting them over the jump, but they don't always know. And that's kind of the almost insane part about it is you're with a teammate and they don't always know what you're talking about. You know, you're like, do it this way. And and they're like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. So it's just, it's testing your relationship with your horse every step of the way. Whoa, that's, that's also blowing my mind. That's crazy. (laughs) It Um, is crazy. (laughs) You, you mentioned horse fitness other than riding it. Like, how do you, how do you exercise? Like, how do you like, are there like horse weights or like, how do you how do you get up? Because you were saying like get the horse fit enough mm-hmm. to run, you know, the cross country thing or the or the stadium jumping. Like how do you how do you exercise it? I can I can see if you want the horse to be faster, you know, ride it faster, I guess. But mm-hmm. like jumping, like like how do you, how do you do that? Well, it's as any athlete could look at a um, conditioning schedule for a horse and be like. Oh, I, I see why they're doing that sort of thing. So it's it's really cool for an athlete to also have a horse because they can sort of figure out a program based on, you know, their own experience with training. But, I mean, there's interval training. We do equivalents of weightlifting for a horse. It's not like asking them to lift weights right, with right. their hooves. But, like, for example, um, poles, we, you know, just like a rail on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can raise that rail and then drop one in, like, an order. Mm-hmm. and they'll have to lift their legs a little bit higher in order to go over it so that's like that's like doing squats for them in a Whoa. way so that's gonna Ooh. that's gonna strengthen their hind end um in the ring doing transitions going from like walk to trot or trot to canter that's like that's almost like doing squats you know they're like sitting and working those muscles um hills walking up hills right that's walking like, up hills is hard for anybody yeah so like they have conditioning in that way there's lots of different ways to cross train them in a way because eventing is all about cross training right you got to be good at everything right and we organize their week so they get in a little bit of everything so they get in their fitness they go for a gallop or they go walk around and have a relaxed day and mm. Some people's training method is first day, introduce a new skill. Second day, practice it. Third day, go for a walk, have a nice break. And other training people do, like, horses go swimming. There's treadmills for horses. I'm not kidding. <laughs> they ran on a snowy, on a snow. Have you seen that video of, like, the horses coming out of the barn and it's, like, really snowing. They come mm-hmm. out and they just turn right around. They go back inside. <laughs> On a day yeah. like this, horse treadmill doesn't sound that bad. It's going to be snowing. Yeah, some people, there's there's a lot of technology for horse mm. fitness and, and horse recovery. There's like vibrating mats for their muscles. There's LED lights that get placed on a horse, like infrared lighting to oh, help their muscles recover. Um, there's a whole world of stuff out there. Crazy. It's mind-blowing. Um, there's... There's this weird like pipe treatment where you you sit pipes on top of the horse like and they flow air or something or what? vibrations, so it just the list it goes sound, on and it, on. It sounds like human fitness, like it all is. these like weird stuff that uh-huh. you know people say. Oh, just do this thirty minutes a day and you'll you know. Right. 
But that's crazy. I mean, um, my horse has gotten acupuncture before. He gets he has a chiropractor. I don't have a chiropractor. It's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> like they get and their their food is very regimented. Like my horse is a better athlete than I am. Like he has everything very controlled. And well, yeah, it's like meal prep every day. Yeah, because they can, they're they're not gonna find the food that they need. Right, You're of course. It to them, so. Right, and the nutrition's very interesting. It's a whole world, you know. I think anybody should go look at a horse and see what they're doing, and then try and take it to their fitness routine. That's crazy, man. Yeah, what what closer of a controlled subject can you have than a horse? Right. And there's so many different ways of training, you know. And you're always learning as a you know, as someone who rides horses, what's going to work best? You know, what is this horse like? And it's different from horse to horse. Sure, sure. You know, no horse is going to have the same training schedule as the next. So I got to ask this. I'm a big fan of uh, powerlifting. Mm -hmm. And back in the 80s, they always used to say that you could get horse steroids. (laughs) So have you ever come across anything like that like illegal supplements for horses to get them to perform better and stuff like that um well actually for international competition um they do drug testing not even international blowing my mind for the yeah for the upper levels of national they do drug testing and so there's something called nasas which is like advil Mm -hmm. with the equivalent for horses and they can only have um one of those in their system so there's there's regulations for it but there's some things that you wouldn't even know have illegal stuff in them. So you have to do your research before a competition. Like a liniment for the horse, you know, is great for lower levels. It's great. You think everything's fine. And then it might just have one ingredient that's illegal. Yeah. So you have to be careful. And I've heard there's many ways to get around that with like homeopathic stuff and mm-hmm. um, stuff that's not on the list yet. Stuff that's, that's always, that's always uh, yeah, I've, I've heard about it. And I'm like, what? Like it, it always blows your mind how many different ways there are to get around rules. So I always, you know, you never know what's going yeah. on behind closed barn doors. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's awesome. You know, well, it, there's a, that's a thing. Like, um, I'm a huge, like MM, like combat sports fan. Mm-hmm. I watch MMA and boxing and stuff like that. And, it's it's always crazy. One of the things that's been happening in the UFC is that they have like USADA, which is like one of the top drug testing things. Mm-hmm. They'll come to a fighter's house at 4 a.m. They're like, pee in this cup right now. Give me the blood right now. Wow. It's random, right? Whoa. So like, and all these guys are pro athletes and uh, they'll pop for something. Uh, they'll test positive for something that, you know, is just like creatine or like protein uh-huh. that they bought from GNC. But it has like a little bit of steroids in it because all that stuff gets like mixed in uh, China mm-hmm. and they're not always good about like cleaning out, you know, those vats where they mix the stuff in. So like, you know, unless you send that to USADA and be like, hey, this is what I'm taking, test it to make sure it's good. Mm-hmm. Like it's happened a bunch of times this past year where wow. like fighters are like, I didn't I'm not taking steroids. And, you know, it doesn't look like they're taking steroids or anything. But then and then they test the the supplement they're t- that they're taking and they're like, oh, it's in here because it was, you know, it's a taint. Oh. They call it a tainted supplement. My gosh. But sometimes I also think that they're just using that as an excuse to oh just shoot. Gosh. But anyways, <laughs> it's crazy that it's in horses too. Yeah. Well, every, in every sport where there's money, someone's always trying to get the edge, man. <laughs> that's someone's that's right. And, you know, there's always scandals about, oh, so-and-so gave this to their horse and, of, of course, you know, where there's drug tests, there's going to be some scandals. Of course. And there, there's human drug tests, too, but those aren't as popular. You know, 
we had a wait drug testing for the writer mm -hmm. what yeah there's there's both usually what i've heard is they don't do um human drug tests unless there's suspicion mm. unless like somebody drops a hint or something or a tip that Someone rats yeah I think I think it's a little bit from what I understand it's like it's that. Tactical. Yeah, cuz I don't hear a lot about people getting drug tested, but we had we had a group of riders get drug tested um almost a year ago that took like Adderall or something oh, at yeah. a party the night before uh -huh. and I don't know what they tested for in Adderall but they got found out and they were on a ban for a year and I think they're just Whoa. getting out of their ban right now. Well, like Adderall is a crazy thing because A you can get it like that. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's a prescription drug, mm -hmm. so like if you know what to say to the to your doctor, you can get it. And if you take it, I don't know if you've taken Adderall, man, that sharpens you up real nice. Yeah, I mean, I've always heard about people taking it in school and stuff to yeah. get an advantage for yeah. studying. Um, um, my mom's even seen somebody give their Adderall to someone else right in front of her, and she was like, she came home to me and she's like, Molly, did you know people do that? Like, yeah, people share their drugs, and I was like, yeah. yes, I do, mom. I go to high school, <laughs> and, and people just sometimes yeah. they think that's just how they're gonna do it. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. I don't personally like it because, in a way, to me, that feels a little bit like cheating because you're not doing the work yourself. Some people need it, of course. Well, see, that's the thing. Like a lot of people and, and going back to fighting and like a lot of the supplements like the, you know, like steroids and stuff like that. It's not so much that it benefits them physically. Mm -hmm. It's like they know mentally I have something in me right. that's going to and then that gives them like a little edge mentally. Right. But then if you need something else to get that edge mentally in competition, that just says to me that you're already mentally weak. Right. You're trying to take a shortcut. And yeah. Like, ah. and, it, and if you use it. If you use it for like academics or a sport, if that's and it works, that should tell you you already had it in you. So you don't you don't need it. You know, you're probably you're already intelligent. You're already a yeah. good athlete. So you have some work to do to strengthen the mental part of you. So mature. Um, <laughs> it's like I'm talking to a, an adult over here. It's crazy. Um, OK, so, you know, we talked about fitness for the horse, right? Mm -hmm. Is there anything in particular that you do? on your own fitness because one thing that i noticed with people that ride horses none of them are out of shape mm -hmm. like all those event riders that i've been looking up they're all in shape so mm -hmm. is there like something that you guys do in particular that that helps you as a rider mm -hmm. well for professionals usually they're riding so many horses a day that they might not have to do anything mm -hmm. in addition but a lot of it's core strengthening because as you can imagine there's a lot of balance in yeah. riding so you know, my coach is always like, you need to be doing planks and wall sits every day. She's like, planks and wall sits, planks and wall sits. I'm like, stop. <laughs> um, running can be important sometimes, you know, to help keep you lean and help keep your... Um, endurance? Endurance. Stamina. Yeah. yeah, stamina, endurance, yeah. all of the above up for when you're on cross country because international courses like i've been on like a seven minute course when you get to the end of that seven minute course your horse might need a little extra help and uh -huh. you don't want to be tired when they need you you don't want to be fatigued in your body what do you mean the horse needs extra help if they're feeling tired at the end of the course you're going to need to be a little bit more careful about where you set them up for a jump hmm. you're going to be a little bit more conservative you're not going to go for that long distance where they're really going to have to try and get over the jump you're going to be 
here's the easiest spot for us to get out of so that you can get home safe. Because when they're at the end of the course, that's that's sometimes where accidents can happen towards the end. They might be a little lazy and leave their leg on the ground or something like that. But yeah, for the rider, um, a lot of people do Pilates, yoga. I have a, a really nice yoga studio by my school that I try to go to. Um, it's, it's a little bit up to the own rider. I'm actually trying to figure out, you know, what is the ideal workouts for a rider? Mm -hmm. What can they do? And I want to start a club at my school to do workouts based around, you know, what, what does a rider need to have? Right, right. And that sort of thing. Uh, It's like you're, you're standing up mm -hmm. on the the feet thing, stirrups, right? The Mm -hmm. feet (laughs) The feet things. I I sound super smart. (laughs) Yeah, because like, like, especially in the cross country part of it like you barely see anybody sitting down mm-hmm. on the saddle it, you're always up on it mm-hmm. so like yeah man the the wall sit thing makes sense yeah Plank, wall sits yeah. squats you know i i think weightlifting is really fun as well so i really want to figure out what's best for me as a rider i'm still mm-hmm. figuring all of that out but it would be really fun if there was a bigger platform for riders to be able to share that on and share and talk about what's best for rider fitness because sometimes it can be a problem. You know, some people are just out there not fit enough for their horses, you know. So, like, so here's the thing. Like, when I rode Andrew, mm-hmm. that <laughs> lazy horse, right, um, horse is always going to be stronger than you, mm-hmm. right? It's not that you're exerting your strength to, like, control this horse, right? Right. It's more about, like, training the horse to to obey the commands. You know, you hold the things like this, you know. Right. So, like, is there an advantage to being stronger in the saddle? Um, Only for being responsible for yourself. Because, right, like you said, you're never going to be stronger than a horse. You can't make a horse do something yeah, exactly. that they don't want to do. But for yourself, you can be more responsible and make it easier for their job. If they don't have to, you know, lug your big butt over a fence, right. that's going to help them be a little quicker right, right. and they're not going to be as tired at the end of the course. Right. So only in the way of helping yourself are you going to be able to help the horse because, of course, you can't get a horse to do what you want just because your arms are stronger, you know. Right, right, right. They're going to win. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're definitely going to win. They're so huge. <laughs> they're dinosaurs. They are. Um, yeah. So um, going back to like all the crazy fitness stuff. There's a lot of like equipment that you put on the horse. Like Mm -hmm. I was watching this thing and this lady was putting these like braces on their ankles and they were like all carbon fiber and like Mm -hmm. crazy looking. And then they had like horseshoes that were made out of like titanium and stuff like that. Is that a, is that like a thing? Do you have experience with those kinds of things too? Yeah, there's there's a lot of protection for the horse and ways to make it better. You know, the what goes on their back, um, how well it fits, the balance of it. You know, is it is mm-hmm. it helping them or is it hurting them, sort of thing. And that's that's pretty straightforward. But it um, how well can you feel the horse with the saddle? I mean, that's just like all on their back if they're comfortable up there. Um, on their legs, there's tons of different kinds of protection and treatment right. that goes down on there. So. Like for jumping, I have boots that are hard in the back to protect their tendons because their legs, there's an immobile part. That's where all the tendons are as well. So you have to protect those from the hard jumps or from their other feet hitting them. Because when they have shoes on, they have like little weapons on their feet. They might step on themselves or hurt themselves or hit themselves in the tendons. So you have those, but 
Um, there's like ice boots you can put on their legs, like big, big rain boots. Yeah. I have big rain boots for my horse and you uh-huh. put ice and water to help treat yeah, reduce them. reduce the swelling and inflammation. Yeah, oh yeah, exactly. It is really like, it is really like a mix between like a, like a F1 car and like a <laughs> high level athlete. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, there's so much to do. And the, yeah, there's different things that go in their mouth that have different effects. And none of them are intended to hurt the horse, mm-hmm. but there's different pressures in the horse's mouth or on their bridle is what we call the tack that goes on their head that achieve different effects. And it depends on what they like. You know, you can put pressure on the roof of their mouth, um, pressure on the top of their pole, Whoa. depending on where it is. And it's not pain. It's just where you're communicating things to them because right, where right. you communicate is and that's why it's so important to have good feel in the saddle because you're communicating with your seat your legs your voice and then in their mouth you're communicating with their hands so at the end of the day all the stuff that's on top of their back and on their head it's so that you guys can have a better conversation well that's that's a crazy way to put it <laughs> so so tell me about your horse i have a horse his name is charlie <laughs> and and he is he's a thoroughbred and I think I've had him for two and a half years now. And he's he's a handful. He's one of the hardest horses I think I've ever ridden. Yeah, he's been a tough one. He's challenged me in so many ways, more than any other horse I've ridden. You know, for the first year it was just a lot of crying. After every ride, I was like, Oh my gosh, like how am I gonna do this with this Whoa. horse? Um but we got him as like a, a mid-level eventing horse. And now he's he's an international horse. And today he's one of the coolest horses I've ever ridden. And he's still still extremely quirky. He's still a challenge every single day. But he's so much fun now. But it took a year and a half wow. to get into just get him to a place where he was going to be an enjoyable ride and, and liked his job. But I think for a while he, he just got to do what he wanted and then when he came to us and I was like, hey, you know, let's try this. He was like, no way. He's like, I've been doing it this way, you know, for teenager yeah, horse, man. teenager horse, 100 percent. He looks like a baby horse still. And he's 11. But, <laughs> you know, he's just like, no, we do it this way. And I'm like, no, we should really try it this way. And he's like, no way. And so <laughs> Crazy. And, and you can and you can like see it and feel it. Yeah. When you're when you're on the horse. Oh, yeah. That's and when he tries to throw you into a fence, it's usually a, a sure sign that he doesn't want to do what you're <laughs> asking him. There's some obvious ones just like that. But, right. you know, it's sort of showing him that, hey, this this can be more fun. It doesn't have to be miserable for both of us. And and once I showed him that, you know, this is a lot more fun. Look, we can play. There's more freedom. We'll be happier. You'll be comfier. It's become so much more enjoyable for him and the rider. And so... That was a lot of learning for him. But it was worth it, right? It's starting to be really, really worth it because he's very talented and he could always jump. The biggest compliment I ever got riding him was when he's jumping, it looks like he's playing. And I was like, that's that's all I wanted to hear. Yeah, like in the in the videos that I was watching of you, it's, yeah, he's, I mean, like, what do I know about like yeah. what it should look like? But it's like effortless. He's mm-hmm. just... You just jump in. He doesn't like slow down. Like sometimes, because I I watched a lot of the most event riding I've ever watched mm-hmm. happen in the past two weeks. But like, <laughs> you know, like sometimes they jump and then they slow down, like right at the end of the jump. Mm-hmm. You know when they land, and I guess that's natural because mm-hmm. of physics. But with 
with Charlie, he just jumps in, just keeps going like real smooth yeah. looking, man. It's he, cool. He hasn't really been challenged yet, I don't think. We're mm. doing we're doing like a, a you know a decently hard level, and I don't think he's been challenged yet. But he loves it. He's my favorite horse I've ever taken cross country. He is so game. When we got him, he was a little bit less experienced than I am. We call that green. But on course, you would think he's a packer, which is what we call an experienced horse because he's just he was on it he oh. thinks it is the most fun he's smart i'll talk to him sometimes on course i'll be like oh you're so clever you're such a <laughs> clever horse and and he takes care of me and you know in even through that really hard time we had together as a team he was always taking care of me on course and that gave my mom a lot of comfort because he was always going to keep me safe maybe more keep him safe yeah. but i was there too so right. i was gonna stay safe too so even at our worst you know we still shared a lot of fun competitions together so like as I was I was looking at the event writing stuff, you know, there's a lot of these like horse falling videos, mm -hmm. especially in cross country. Like you were saying, the walls are like solid. It's right. not like the poles. And then like like there was like videos of like horse just stops like right before it and then they just like tumble mm -hmm. into stuff. Does that happen a lot? It depends on the on the shows and levels, of course, but it it does happen. You know, there's a lot that goes into it that might account for a stop, but it's important to know that it's easier for a horse to jump than it is for them to stop. So mm. something must be wrong for right. them to stop. They're usually not just going to do it. Sometimes horses, there are horses out there that are just dirty and they'll just stop because they don't want to listen. But, Damn. you know, for the sake of this, I'm talking about a good horse, right, right, right. you know, that is doing their job. Um, they might not have understood the question by the time they got up to it. You know, and they look on the other side and that's not where they thought they were going. So that could scare them. Um, they might not have enough power. Sometimes it even comes down to like if you've seen a horse like flip over a jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah something scary like that. That can just come down to where they take off. You know, and, and you look at a jump and there's some really fun videos online. You want to think about there's six feet on either side of the jump for taking off and landing. Right. And depending on the shape of that jump, you're going to move up and down that parabola on where you're landing and taking off, depending on where that arc of the jump is leading you. So for a wider jump that ramps up a little bit, you might want to take off closer so that their peak is at the backside of the jump. Or for something that's really upright, maybe you'll want to take off at six Farther or seven away, feet right. or eight feet so that they get Whoa. up a little bit more. And so if they miss that you know, sweet spot, then it might risk them not having their shoulders up high enough on the top of the jump and they might rub a leg and that might tip him over or that right. might make him stumble on the other side so there's definite danger to riding horses it's like a crazy sport yeah venting that's that's the sport for daredevils we like to say because there's there's just so many different things that can go wrong i mean it's wild so before this conversation i had a, a lunch table conversation at the agency i work at mm -hmm. and i said i don't think horse riding should be an olympic sport mm -hmm. And it's, it's tough to say that to you right now. I should have opened with this. But like, <laughs> in my mind, it was always about the horse, mm -hmm. right? The horse is doing the bulk of the work. The horse is jumping. It's carrying the person. It's, you know, doing the dancing. It's running as fast as it can, jumping into the water. Like, the horse is the main mm -hmm. thing, right? And then so I was like, ah, it doesn't make sense that it's in the Olympics because it's the horse is doing most of the sport. Mm -hmm. But after talking with you now, I realized it's not just what physically the horse can do 
man, you really have to train the horse and get the horse to understand that it's going to be safe if it jumps mm-hmm. and like where it's going to go. And then so now I think I have a much greater appreciation for what event riding is. Even after doing the the research that I did leading up to the podcast, I was like, okay, so this is this is much more yeah. in-depth than I... But to hear it coming out of the mouth of a professional, it deserves to be there for sure. Well, I mean, maybe not the dressage because of the judging and that's a whole nother well, thing. I mean, the thing, I think those dressage riders are some of the strongest competitors because here's the thing about, you know, riding as a whole and especially, you know, just talking about dressage is that our whole purpose of being there as a rider is we don't want you to see what we're doing. So there's there's a lot that we're doing that, you know, you, you just can't see. We're really using our legs and we're really using our core and our posture so important. But the little changes we make, how we ask the horse, we don't want you to see that. We want the horse to be the focus and a testament to good training is how much the horse can do without you controlling every step. And, you know, with eventing, it's fun because you can see a little bit more. You, you know, you can see the rider really going at some of those fences. Sure. And so you can see all of that, but then you know, you don't always think about how much force are they using on their legs? You know, right. how hard is it for them to stay on? You know, just how hard is it not to fall off right. sort of thing? Dude, I, fe- I almost fell off of Andrew <laughs> and he was just freaking taking his time. Um, where are you going to go from here? I mean, I'm assuming this is not going to be, you know, like a one and done mm-hmm. kind of thing for you. Yeah, um, I'm just going to. I'm going to keep going. I'm, right now, I'm just sort of taking it semester by semester to figure out what I want to do and making sure I fit some exciting things in each semester. And like right now, I have this ridiculous Google calendar planned out that like blocks out all my time. But, you know, when I'm in school, I'll go home at night and ride and then ride in the morning and then mm-hmm. drive back to school before class. And then I come home on the weekends and ride Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, you know, hopefully I'll find some more horses to ride to get my skill base up. But I'm just going to keep going, you know, as as far as I can keep going. Um, I'm really trying to move up this year, you know, if I'm safe and the horse is safe. And, you know, I love school and I love what I'm doing at school. But, you know, horses are something that I think I need in my life. They're always going to be there, but I'm not ready to put them on hold yet to do something else. So you, you're still thinking about competing at, at a high level? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to keep working. And this summer we have big goals um, I'm going to try and work for a coach while I'm at school. So, you know, people do it. It, it gets done, but it, it takes, it takes a lot of grit, but I'm just going to yeah. see Any, where it goes. Anything worth doing is, is going to take gonna be a lot hard. of work. Yeah. So like, um, what are, what are some of the upcoming events that you're planning on competing in? Um, so we're just starting to plan my schedule. Actually, he mm-hmm. just, my horse just got back from vacation. We like to give him a little time off. So uh, where yeah. Where do horses go oh, on vacation? <laughs> People are always like, "Is he in Cancun?" And yeah, I'm like, like "No." What? Where do they go? <laughs> he's just he just got to hang out in in where he usually hangs out, but he just doesn't have to work. Oh, okay. Yeah, he just gets a little time off. Yeah, and okay. and lots of carrots and stuff. My mom spoils <laughs> our horses, so lots of carrots and peppermints. But pep- peppermints, yeah, peppermints. Um, she well, bought- yeah, you hear about horses eating sugar all the time. Uh-huh. Right? That's crazy. Yeah, she peppermints, apples, carrots, um, everything. Well, it's because they're they're running all the time. They need that uh, carbohydrates to fuel. Yeah, oh n- not as not quite as much as my mom gives them. <laughs> <laughs> they're incredibly spoiled, That's but crazy. they're happy. But um, this summer, we're just looking at some of our normal competitions that are in the area. Um, 
We haven't picked a place to move up yet. Usually we do like a big show at the end of the year in mm-hmm. Virginia. That's an international show. So maybe we'll gear towards that. But And then that's where you like kind of challenge for the next bracket. Yeah. Up. And it's usually it's that's our international show because international shows are a little bit more expensive. Gotcha. Um, so we don't do as many of those throughout the year. But I've always wanted to go to different areas. There's fun. There's a fun one in New York. There's fun ones down south. So mm-hmm. I'd really like to do some of those competitions that get a lot of publicity and see where I can go with some of those and like the fun ones with prizes and stuff because I like to try and think of myself as a sleeper in the sport you Mm -hmm. know I don't have a lot of coverage yet I haven't you know I'm kind of just hanging out and and doing what I'm doing so I want to see if we could go somewhere else and you know show people what we've got so dude that's awesome (laughs) it's like a amateur boxer going pro yeah you can start winning money yeah just like we're waiting we're we're waiting (laughs) it sounds it sounds like uh like you're really excited about it and definitely that's always a good thing do you have any like sponsors that you need to talk about or anything like that i got a really great sponsor a couple years ago and it was a really fun sponsor to get because me and my mom were already so passionate about their product. It's Cordiflex, and um, they provide different products for intestinal support and joint support. That one pony I mentioned uh, earlier that we took to the cowboy, his name was Bentobox, and he went on to be uh, United States. I know it's a funny name, yeah, it's but a good name. we named him that because he's just a com- cute, complete little package, like a little Japanese lunchbox. Oh, that makes sense. That makes <laughs> so sense. that was his name, but he went on to be um, United States Eventing Association and Pony of the Year in 2012 with me and then with another rider in 2014. And we put him on Cordiflex when we got him. And literally within three days, we saw a difference in the Mm. way he was moving. He wasn't so stiff. He was a lot more willing to do his job. And so we had always been pushing Cordiflex as a supplement that everyone should have their horse on because we saw it firsthand just how much it helps. And So when I got sponsored by them, it was amazing because it's already a product I love to talk people's ear off of. So to know I had their support was a big honor to go forward with that. And hopefully I'll be doing some fun things for them this year at horse shows and stuff. We're going to try and do samples. They're going through some rebranding right now. So it should be really exciting to get more of their stuff out because more people should know about Cordiflex. It's a great product. Um, Yeah, man, we've We've been talking for a minute. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to say? Uh, no, this has been great. Yeah. yeah I mean, you. I learned so much. <laughs> Dude, you are such an interesting person, not just about horses, but just in the way that you're like, you're super mature, super driven, work ethic on point. I mean, I'm just right now, again, thinking about what I was doing when I was in high school and it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't competing at an international level in anything it's really important to be able to draw inspiration from all the people around you. Mm-hmm. People tend to look at people with more experience and older for a source of inspiration. But man, just talking to you and seeing how focused you are and seeing how driven you are, its it's been a complete pleasure, Thank real you. inspiration. And uh, you got to come back again, yeah. maybe after you compete or after you move up and then we'll, we'll discuss everything in the world of eventing. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Molly Sherman. And there you have it. The 16th episode of the Lucha Lounge podcast is in the books. I had a great time talking with Molly and I was really inspired by her focus and passion for her craft. If you want to catch up with her, you can follow her on Instagram at Molly E. Sherman or check her out on her website, mollyesherman.com. If you'd like to support the Lucha Lounge podcast, follow us on Instagram at Lucha Lounge Network. 
If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star rating and some nice comments. That really, really helps. Yeah, I guess that's it. Until next time, bye. Bye.